0: Warning, spinning on two wheels contains language, themes, and references that are inappropriate for the ears of children, sensitive grandparents, and public forums. Headphone use is recommended. Hey y'all, I'm Peggy, the kick-ass knitter. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm yarned, a little dangerous, and definitely bad to the bone. Grab your knitting. And throw open the throttle. It's time to kickstart this episode of Spinning on Two Wheels. Hey, y'all! Welcome, welcome, welcome to all of my lovely new listeners out there. And welcome, welcome back, all my wonderful returning listeners. It's great to have y'all on the ride with me today. Today's episode of Spinning on Two Wheels is being recorded on Friday, April 7th, 2023, and will include open throttle, a stall, and a detour through the scenic route. So punch into gear and let's roll on. This is Open Throttle getting you up to speed on my current projects. Yeah, this one, this open throttle is going to be a long one. There are many, many projects on the needles. But first up, as always, or as usual, I should say, is the MHK. I mentioned last episode that the plain stockinette That plain stockinette is just not holding my attention. And that remains true. If we know anything about ADHD brain by now, we know that one knits where the motivation is and get that dopamine wherever it is hiding. But weirdly, weirdly, I've been craving something a little less taxing on both my attention and my eyes. So I expect this vest for the second level of the Master Hand Knitting Certification will be making more appearances real soon. I have put a little bit of progress on it, but not... not much. Not much. Next up is Operation Sock Drawer. What? What? This Meandros sock has been my... My go-to for grab-and-go knitting. If I'm going to be introducing Labradad to the 50-year-old TV show MASH, I grab this sock. Going to be sitting in a car for any length of time? I grab this sock. Five minutes of downtime helping a friend rebuild her front porch? You guessed it! I grab this sock. And because I keep grabbing this delightful tube of woolly fun... I've made progress down the foot of the sock. I'm completely done with the gusset decreases. I've added three or four centimeters on through the foot. It's it's rolling along, isn't it? But a few minutes ago, seconds, I don't know, editing time is weird. I talked about craving simpler knitting, which I know, it's strange. Here's my conundrum. I don't want to knit just stockinette. That's too plain. But I also don't want to have to stop knitting to check charts and patterns. And that is precisely what I must do for every project that isn't the Charlie vest for the MHK. Now that said, I have begrudgingly pulled Husbandos 2023 sweater from its project bag and continued to make stitches on the back. Lots of cabling there. I got to check those cable charts. I have to make sure that my ADHD brain has not reversed left and right on me as I'm reading, because that happens. But it helps. It helps that I am getting very adept at reading this particular pattern The Sandy Neck Pullover by Husbando's favorite designer, Moira Engel. And by reading the pattern, by reading air quotes, you can't see me do the fucking air quotes. By reading the pattern, I don't mean the words written on the page or the symbols on the cable charts. I mean, looking at what I have knitted, seeing the row that I am working on, and knowing what I need to do next. So it's actually become much easier to pick up and knit on Husbando's 2023 sweater spontaneously, at least mm, easier than the project I'm going to talk about next. But the 2023 sweater still isn't happening at the rate I would like it to. Now, let me be frank: what I would like, what I would like, and I don't think I'm alone in this, is a magical knitting being. I refuse to say fairy I will not have fairies in my house not that kind of fairy I mean like the magical kind but I want some magical knitting being that will make stitches on my projects perfectly in pattern and at my tension on all of the parts of the project that I don't feel like working on but not the parts that I want to be doing and also they can't touch my yarn And I don't want to see this happening. I just want progress to magically appear on the sweater. So if I can find like a magical being like that, that would be great. Moving on. The last project I wanted to talk about this episode is the DNA pullover by Andrea Cull. I am making this out of Neighborhood Fiber Company's Studio Worsted in the Truxton Circle colorway. And I did a little research because all of neighborhood fiber companies, scratch, most of neighborhood fiber companies' colorways are named after neighborhoods in the Baltimore or D.C. areas. Truxton Circle is a neighborhood in Washington, D.C.'s Fifth Ward. The neighborhood was named for the former Thomas Truxton Traffic Circle that was demolished in 1947. The traffic circle was named after. US Navy Commodore Thomas Truxton, one of the first six naval commodores of the United States who was appointed by George Washington. And Truxton Circle contains a number of, like historical schools, which I found really cool. I didn't know this, uh, including the Armstrong Manual Training School where Duke Ellington graduated and the original Dunbar High School, which was the first public high school for Black students in the United States, which I think is just cool. Truxton Circle is between New Jersey, Florida, and New York Avenues, and North Capitol Street. Anyone familiar roughly with D.C. is knowing that this is Northwest. And growing up around D.C., I never really got to know... The individual neighborhoods necessarily by their names, but I did get a sense of each neighborhood's like distinct flavor. And when I think of this area of Northwest DC, what I remember, what I think of are the absolutely gorgeous, like 19th and early 20th century, uh, in Baltimore, we call them row homes. A lot of places around the country call them townhouses. Just gorgeous 19th and early 20th century row homes, townhouses. But I also remember it being a fairly trendy area. Historic, but hip. Anyway, sorry. The colorway from Neighborhood Fiber Company is a beautiful aubergine purple. Not a true royal purple, but it's on the warmer, redder side of that. And this color was chosen by the recipient of the sweater because it also matches fairly well with his favorite American football team's colors. Not my local Ravens, although the purple does let me blend in fairly well here. My friend is a fan of the Minnesota Vikings. I don't really follow American football well or at all, but my nephew tells me that they are to quote, all right, but he's 10, so yeah. Now, the cast-on for this pattern, the DNA pullover, because I know in episodes past, I talked about swatching difficulties here. The cast-on for this pattern gave me quite a bit of trouble, which you will hear about in a later segment, but I am proud to say I have make, gotten I have made, gotten, I have gotten a decent start on this sweater. At least I have the easy part done. The, call it seven centimeters of two by two ribbing between the cast on and the cables. I'm feeling pretty good about it. Moving on, I said that was the last project. I was wrong. I've acquired yarn. To start a baby blanket for the newborn of a friend, I made their first child a baby blanket in 2020 when I kind of had this make all of the babies things. It was my year of baby knitting. Uh, I picked the wrong year because I thought that all of the people were going to be having babies and I, I misjudged the timing. They all had babies in 21 and 22. However, however, this was, the blanket that I made for their first child was one of the first projects I did for this year of baby knitting. And I found a delightful pattern that also worked out to be a pun with the child's name. Because, because your friends who will make pun fantastic names out of their knitting projects for your kid are friends for life. What can I say? And I saw this couple more recently and they're m- now much bigger firstborn and their fresh baby and the fresh baby was using the blanket that I made for the firstborn. And I'm tickled about that. Please don't get me wrong. I make baby things for them to be used. Otherwise, what's the fucking point, right? But it just didn't sit right with me. I have a quirk, if you will, about knitting for children, especially siblings. And that quirk is that they only have to share the item I make for them if they want to. Parental override is available, but not encouraged. If a sibling wants one of those knitted things too, I am happy to make one for them as well. And then it will be their special handmade bespoke item made in their favorite colors and not someone else's. And I think this comes from, what is it I say to my, my, to husband's families? their siblings they're going to share plenty but this thing that I make them they don't have to share if they don't want to I would love to make more you know um they're gonna share plenty these things that I the thing that I make your kid I make it just for your kid though and just that kid anyway that's my that's my that is a peggy problem that is a peggy thing So I kind of got inspired to make another baby blanket for this couple, for the fresh baby. And I decided to see if the designer of the first blanket, well, we'll get to that in a second. If they had any other suitable patterns, I am getting ahead of myself. The caffeine is kicking in. Roll with it. And uh, what I found, I stumbled into a treasure trove. Of free patterns inspired by flowers, Discworld, seasons, literally everything that brings me joy. The designer is M. Mario, capital M, capital M A R I O, who is sadly no longer with us. He passed in 2018, I believe, but his family decided to make all of his patterns available for free. Now, I hinted at something about the, the blanket designs. You can't see the air quotes I'm using. What the fuck? Neither of these patterns were actually blanket patterns. All of these patterns were actually shawl patterns that I just make at a larger gauge. And it turns out that they're pretty perfect for, like, baby covers and lightweight baby blankets please check with the owner-operator of the tiny person you are knitting this for and uh, ask about eyelet holes that can be dangerous for very, very fresh babies. But once they're a little bit bigger, it should be okay. Uh, This particular couple uses these blankets more as as a sun shield. So I'm a little less worried. But like the first blanket, I was able to find a shawl pattern that I'm going to knit at a much larger gauge that perfectly and punifically suit Fresh Baby. And I can't wait, I can't wait to cast on what we will be calling the Baby Rose Blanket. And now, NOW I'm going to roll on to the next segment. After this break, this episode is brought to you by My Mom's Yarn Stash. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh, 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 oh my god. Oh my god. Oh, 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 oh my god. Mom. Ooh. Oh my god. Oh my god. Motorcycles choke out. Yarn makes tangles. Sometimes you have to drop out of gear, restart the engine, and figure out what the hell happened before you get back on the road. Welcome to Stalled. There's not much here, but it's enough to be a little, so I'm going to share it. Earlier in the episode, I mentioned the cast-on for the DNA sweater gave me some trouble. The pattern calls for a tubular or Italian cast-on. I first learned this technique by the name tubular cast-on, so that is how I will refer to it. A tubular cast-on creates a knotless, finished edge that is indistinguishable from ribbing. And it's best used for areas with a readily visible bottom edge that will lead to one-by-one ribbing. Usually... I have trouble with the tubular cast on because I'm trying it in the round. And the tubular cast on tends to twist around the needles for me. A problem made worse on circular needles. And because the cast on is knotless, by which I mean the strands of yarn do not form anything resembling an anchor point for the stitches that you're casting on. So as soon as the stitches twist around the needles, it all comes apart. And you can try to twist them back, but if you get it wrong, it's gone. So as soon as I try to untwist or fix the placement of the stitches on my needles, inevitably the stitches come undone. Suffice to say, it's not my favorite cast on. This particular pattern, DNA sweater, Andrea Call, I have questions and um, I have questions. This particular pattern has a cast on that lasted three rows. How? I'll get to that in a minute. Because tubular cast on means that your establishing row, the one you start with, is indistinguishable from any other so you can't tell the difference between the one you started with and the next one up so first is the establishing row or cast on cast on that's one row you are physically putting stitches putting yarn on the needle they will be stitches soon enough one row Then I had to knit every other stitch, slipping the ones that looked like purl stitches. That's two rows. Then I had to repeat that. Working the stitches, I had just slipped. So I'm knitting the ones that I haven't touched yet and slipping the ones I already have. Three rows. All while trying very hard not to let anything twist around my needles or... Uh, especially around the tips, because as soon as I move my needles the wrong direction around that establishing row, that establishing yarn, it's all gone to shit. And the slipped stitches, the extra yarn in the quote-unquote back of the work, it actually winds up in the middle of the knit stitches, so it gives the the cast on a little body a little girth that makes it thick with uh three c's what caught me up on the dna pullover andrea call this is where i have questions and i want answers what caught me up was the fourth row of the sweater it was supposed to be a setup row to switch from the one by one stitch pattern established by the cast-on to the 2 by 2 ribbing pattern for the sweater. On my first try, I completely missed the instructions for this setup row. So the transition from the cast-on to the ribbing was fucking terrible. And then I spotted the instruction for the setup row in the pattern And I just, I, I frogged the whole thing. I just ripped the yarn off the needles. I couldn't, it wasn't worth trying to save the cast on at that point. There wasn't enough. Just fuck it. Get off. Which normally would make this segment a dropped bike. But I feel like four rows isn't enough to make it a dropped bike. So I put it here installed. And as I remade it recasting on with the tubular cast on that I hate hate is a strong word that I don't like I'm handing my needles to Husbando like every row asking him to double check my stitch count and he would roll his eyes sigh put it down and count it again yes it's fine okay but can you check this time yes it's fine okay okay but what about this time? <sighs> yes, it's fine. And now I've got the 2x2 two two ripping up, so, you know, it's working. Continuing on to the next segment after this break. This episode brought to you by Gage Rage. When you're knitting and you just can't get Gage. Gage! Welcome to Scenic Route, where Audio Man has insisted, I put my ramblings through the scenic highways and byways of mostly my garden. This is where I gush about my plants. Okay, I am including this section mostly, so we don't end on a stalled, because that just seems like a downer to finish on. And the garden... The garden, the plant babies have really only had one change since I last shared. Backstory. I have tried to change... (laughs) Words. I have tried to grow yellow onions from seeds for many years. And I know that onions have a two-year life cycle between seed and complete vegetable. No matter what I did my onion babies would grow to tiny sprouts, and then I'll die. So this year, I decided to try getting some onion sets, which is a year-old seedling. So I will get to harvest onions at the end of their growing season, hopefully. But evidently, onion sets come in massive groups because I was not expecting roughly 30 million onions in the mail. Luckily, onions turn out to be fantastic companion plants for literally everything. So I have planted them in and around the same beds as everything else. Just onions. Onions everywhere. Everywhere. They're in with the broccoli and bok choy. They're in the same raised beds as the raspberries. Because apparently they're great friends with raspberries. They're in the same beds as the potatoes, because apparently they're great friends for potatoes. They're in the beds with the blackberries and blueberries. Apparently they're great just everywhere. Everywhere is onions now. So keep that in mind if you decide to order onion sets, they are massive. And that brings us to the end of the road. Show notes, along with images, links to all of the places to find and support the show, as well as everything else, can be found on the website twowheelspodcast.com. Audio and emotional support by my brother Larry. Hi, everybody. You can find more of his work nowhere because he is an enthusiastic amateur. If you liked the episode... You can support the show, its creators, and get funny bonuses and outtakes by subscribing to our Substack. It's completely free, but contributions are greatly appreciated. If you would like to support the show in a non monetary way, do the podcasty things. Give us a star rating, leave a review, and tell every kick ass fiber friend you have. Positive reviews and five-star ratings help new people find the show. And finally, the music welling up is organ rock, classic hard rock by Julius H., and is used under a common license. Thank you again for joining me. And remember, I'm revving for you. We're all in this together. Keep your wheels on the road. to the bone...